Thank you for standing by. Good day, everyone, and welcome to the Boeing Company's fourth quarter 2023 earnings conference call. Today's call is being recorded. The management discussion and the slide presentation, plus the analyst question and answer session, are being broadcast live over the internet. To ask a question on today's conference, please press the digit one, followed by the digit zero on your touchtone phone. Again, it's one, then zero for questions. After pressing one, then zero, you will hear that you have been placed in queue. Pressing one, zero again will take you out of queue and may prevent you from being able to ask a question. At this time, for opening remarks and introductions, I'm turning the call over to Mr. Matt Welch, Vice President of Investor Relations for the Boeing Company. Mr. Welch, please go ahead. Thank you and good morning, everyone. Welcome to Boeing's quarterly earnings call. I am Matt Welch, and with me today are Dave Calhoun, Boeing's President and Chief Executive Officer, and Brian West, Boeing's Executive Vice President and Chief Financial Officer. As a reminder, you can follow today's broadcast and slide presentation at Boeing.com. As always, detailed financial information is included in today's press release. Furthermore, projections, estimates, and goals included in today's discussion involve risks, including those described in our SEC filings and in the forward-looking statement disclaimer at the end of the web presentation. In addition, we refer you to our earnings release and presentation for disclosures and reconciliation of certain non-GAAP measures. Now I will turn the call over to Dave Calhoun. Thank you, Matt. Good morning, everybody, and thanks for joining us. While we report on our fourth quarter results today, my focus is on Alaska Airlines Flight 1282 and the actions we are taking as a company to strengthen quality and earn the confidence of our customers, the confidence of our regulators and the flying public. Brian will cover the financials. I will keep my comments strictly to the issue at hand. I'll start up front by apologizing again to Alaska Airlines, to their crew and to their passengers, and more broadly to all of our customers who were affected by the 737 MAX 9 grounding. The NTSB's investigation into the accident is ongoing. I have an amazing amount of confidence in the work that they do. They bring experts to the investigation and they take all the time that's necessary to draw accurate conclusions, and we intend to be there with them. As part of that NTSB process, I cannot comment on any specific root cause or speculate a root cause. As a participant in the process, I do believe the investigation will narrow quickly. Whatever conclusions are reached, Boeing is accountable for what happened. Whatever the specific cause of the accident might turn out to be, an event like this simply must not happen on an airplane that leaves one of our factories. We simply must be better. Our customers deserve better. I want to remind everybody what a great job the pilots and the crew at Alaska Airlines did in responding to a desperate moment. I also want to remind everybody what a terrific job the leadership at Alaska Airlines did grounding the airplanes and ensuring safety. 
Alaska Airlines did exactly what companies like Boeing would hope that they do at a moment like that. And that is why the airline industry is as safe as it is. We caused the problem and we understand that. Over these last few weeks, I've had tough conversations with our customers, with our regulators, congressional leaders and more. We understand why they are angry and we will work to earn their confidence. There is no message, no slogan that will accomplish that. It's all about real, demonstrated action and absolute transparency every step of the way. So let's talk about those steps. Our team has worked diligently to help our customers restore their 737-9 airplanes to service. The FAA approved the detailed inspection protocol last Wednesday. And today, all 737-9 operators are safely returning their airplanes in service. More broadly, we are taking immediate and comprehensive action to strengthen quality at Boeing and within our supply chain. We instituted additional quality controls and inspections at Boeing and at our supplier. We issued bulletins to suppliers to strengthen the focus on conformance and reducing the risks of quality escapes. We opened our factories to 737 operators for additional direct oversight. And we appointed an expert quality advisor to conduct a comprehensive and independent review of our commercial airplane quality management system and they will remain with us for many years. Most importantly, last week we paused 737 production for the day as more than 10,000 teammates across Renton, Seattle and Moses Lake stopped to focus on safety and quality and only safety and quality. This was a quality stand down at a scale we have never done before. And we're going to keep doing them across our commercial factories. In addition to our internal actions, the FAA has announced new oversight of our 737 manufacturing. We will cooperate fully and transparently with the FAA at every turn. We respect their role as our regulator and we will follow their direction in every step on production. Today we're producing 737s at a rate of 38 per month. And we will remain at that rate until the FAA and Boeing is satisfied with our quality and manufacturing process. This increased scrutiny, whether it comes from us, from our regulator or from third parties, will make us better. It's that simple. Over the last several years, we've taken close care not to push the system too fast. And we have never hesitated to slow down, to halt production, or to stop deliveries, to take the time we need to get things right. Nobody knows that better than our investors. As you know, we stopped delivering 787s for over a year to ensure that each conformed to our exacting specifications prior to delivery. And on the 737 line, we have regularly slowed rate breaks to support the stability of the overall production system and to correct non-conformances when identified. But this accident makes it absolutely clear we have more work to do. I know that these moments that impact delivery schedules can frustrate our customers and our investors, but quality and safety must come above all else. And our customers and our investors know that and are in there with us. On that note, 
As you will see, we are not issuing financial outlook for 2024 today. Now is not the time for that. We won't predict timing. We won't get ahead of our regulator. We will go slow to go fast. And we will encourage and reward employees for speaking up to slow things down if that's what's needed. We will simply focus on every next airplane and ensuring we meet all the standards that we have, all the standards that our regulator has and that our customers demand. As we go about that work, we remain confident in our recovery. Since day one, we've been focused squarely on inculcating safety and quality into everything that we do and getting back to our legacy of having engineering excellence at the center of our business. That focus and commitment is unwavering and we will continue to strengthen our processes and our execution every step of the way. Most importantly, we will be transparent every step of the way. And with our 170,000 employees in mind, I'd like to close with a message directly to our team. We have confidence in you and we have confidence in Boeing. We have confidence in our airplanes. I know how seriously you take your work. Our men and women on the manufacturing floor and in our engineering offices know exactly what we must do. You know your work better than anyone else on the planet. Use your voice, speak up, focus on every next detail. We will seek out and act on your feedback. We're in a challenging moment. We will earn trust back through demonstrated action and a commitment to total transparency. I'm confident in you, I'm confident in our company, and that together we will do just that. Brian, over to you. Thanks, Dave, and good morning, everyone. Let's start off with the total company financial performance for the quarter. Revenue was $22 billion. That's up 10% year over year. Growth was driven by higher commercial volume and favorable mix. The core loss per share was 47 cents. Better than last year, primarily on improved commercial volume, better mix and lower abnormal costs. They were offset by lower defense margins and higher period expenses, including R&D, which we expected. Free cash flow was $3 billion in the quarter, in line with the prior year and up sequentially from the third quarter, primarily due to improved commercial deliveries and strong order activity, which drove favorable advanced payment timing, some of which was anticipated in the first quarter of 2024. Turn to the next page, I'll cover Boeing commercial airplanes. BCA booked 611 net orders in the quarter with 411 737s, including an order with ACASA. 98 777Xs, largely in Emirates order, and 83 787s. We have over 5,600 airplanes in backlog valued at $441 billion. BCA delivered 157 airplanes in the quarter, and revenue was $10.5 billion. That's up 13% driven by higher wide, wide by deliveries and favorable mix. Operating margin was just positive at 0.4%, driven by returning to normal 737 delivery levels in the quarter, improved mix, as well as lower abnormal costs associated with getting to five per month on the 87 and resuming production on the 777X. Now I'll give more color on the key programs. On the 737, 
We delivered 110 airplanes in the quarter and 45 in December. The program also began FAA certification flight testing on the 737-10 in December. For the year, we delivered 396 airplanes on the upper end of the revised guidance range we provided in October. Per the FAA announcement, we'll maintain production at 38 per month and work transparently with the FAA to complete all requirements for future increases. At the same time, we'll continue to prioritize the master schedule to avoid disruption in our supply chain. On the 737-9, we're actively supporting our customers' return to service activities, and as of today, the majority are back flying. In our factory, we have 10-9s in production, all of which will undergo the FAA-approved inspection process prior to delivery. Spirit has also adopted this inspection routine in its factory. The quarter ended with about 200 MAX airplanes in inventory. It's important to think about this inventory in three buckets. First, there are 140 737-8s built prior to 2023. The vast majority are for customers in China and India. We still expect to deliver most of these airplanes by year end as we work towards shutting down the shadow factory. In the second bucket, there are around 25 airplanes produced in 2023 that are still in WIP, given the disruptions in the second half of last year, and we expect these to deliver in 2024. And lastly, there are approximately 35 7s and 10s that we will deliver once those airplanes are certified, the timing of which will be determined by the FAA. Moving on to the 787. We delivered 23 airplanes in the quarter, including 11 in December. For the year, we delivered 73 airplanes within the guidance range we originally outlined for 2023. The program successfully transitioned production to five per month in the quarter and still plan to steadily work our way to 10 per month in the 25-26 timeframe. We ended the quarter with approximately 60 airplanes in inventory about 50 of which require rework, which continues to progress steadily. We still expect to deliver most of these airplanes by year-end as we finish the rework and shut down the shadow factory. We booked $77 million of abnormal cost in the quarter and have approximately $300 million left to go that will wind down by year-end, in line with our expectations. On the 777X, we resume production in the quarter and continue to progress along the program timeline, which remains unchanged. During the quarter, the Emirates order for 90 777Xs brought the program backlog to more than 400 airplanes and also extended the accounting quantity. We continue to follow the lead of the FAA as we progress through the certification process, including working to obtain approval from the FAA to begin certification flight testing. We booked $71 million of abnormal cost in the quarter, which is now fully behind us after resuming production in line with our expectations. Moving to the next page, Boeing Defense in Space. BDS booked $8 billion in orders during the quarter, including the Lot 10 award from the U.S. Air Force for 15 KC-46A tankers. The backlog is now at $59 billion. Revenue was $6.7 billion, up 9% on the tanker award and improved volume, and BDS delivered 52 aircraft and two satellites in the quarter. Operating margin was minus 1.5% in the quarter. 
a sequential improvement from 3Q, but still we have more work to do. 4Q results were impacted by cost true-ups on three fixed price development programs totaling $139 million, as well as unfavorable performance and mix on other programs. Our game plan to get BDS back to high single-digit margins by the 25-26 timeframe remains unchanged. Our core business remains solid, representing 60% of our revenue and performing in the mid to high single-digit margin range. The demand for these products is very strong, and we need to execute, compete, and grow these offerings. On the 25% of the portfolio primarily comprised of fighter and satellite programs, operational performance stabilized as we exited the year. And as a result, the fourth quarter saw improved margin trends, although still negative. We still expect to return to the strong historical performance levels as we roll into new contracts with tighter underwriting disciplines as we move into the 25-26 timeframe. Lastly, we have our fixed price development programs that represent the remaining 15% of revenue. Despite the relatively modest cost trips in the quarter, we continue to focus on maturing these programs and retiring risks quarter in and quarter out, and we made some good progress in the fourth quarter. In addition to capturing the tanker award from the U.S. Air Force, the program delivered nine aircraft in the fourth quarter, continuing to build positive momentum in spite of the supply-related disruptions to the factory that we faced earlier last year. And on the T-7A, the first Red Hawk arrived at Edwards Air Force Base in November, formally starting the Air Force Development Flight Test campaign for the aircraft. Overall, the defense portfolio is poised to improve. The strong demand across the customer base, the products are performing in the field, and we're confident that our efforts to drive execution and stability will return this business to performance levels that our investors recognize. Moving on to the next page, Boeing Global Services. BGS had another strong quarter. They received $6 billion in orders, and the backlog is now at $20 billion. Revenue was $4.8 billion, up 6%, primarily on favorable commercial volume and mix. Operating margins were a very strong 17.4%, an expansion of 350 basis points versus last year, as both our commercial and government businesses were delivering double-digit margins. In the quarter, BGS opened a parts distribution center in India and received a follow-on contract to provide sustainment for the C-17. Turning on to the next page, I'll cover cash and debt. On cash and marketable securities, we ended the quarter at $16 billion. On debt, the balance remained flat at $52.3 billion. And over the next few days, we'll pay down $4 billion of the $5 billion of maturities coming due this year from our available cash on hand. We continue to maintain access to $10 billion of revolving credit facilities, all of which remain undrawn. Our liquidity position remains strong our investment grade credit rating continues to be a priority and we're developing, deploying capital in line with the priorities we've shared previously. Invest in the business and pay down debt. Turn to the next page, I'll cover full year financials. Full year revenue was $77.8 billion, up 17% year over year. Growth was driven by improved commercial volume, primarily on higher 787 deliveries. The core loss per share was $5.81. Better than prior year, primarily on improved commercial volume and mix, as well as lower fixed price development charges and defense. 
Free cash flow was $4.4 billion for the year, up versus prior year, primarily on higher 787 deliveries and favorable receipt timing that was partially offset by higher expenditures as we increase production rates and invest in the business. While we're postponing issuing 2024 guidance today, given our current focus, we're committed to sharing timely and transparent updates moving forward. I would like to provide some additional context on our path forward. We always knew 2024 was going to be an important year in our recovery. Based on what we know today, we expect another steady year of free cash flow driven by the 737 production at 38 per month, ongoing execution of the 787 toward our long-term objectives, continued liquidation of our 737 and 787 inventory, and continued focus to wind down both shadow factories. Our defense business will continue to improve as we mature fixed price programs and transition recently challenged programs with better underwriting disciplines that we've already started to see. And BGS will continue to generate strong free cash flow. Longer term, we're focused on quality and stability, which will ultimately drive free cash flow. Nothing has changed on the demand front and the backlog is strong and growing. Remember, our 25-26 guidance was based on achieving stability, and we have to earn that by applying resources to fix our issues and demonstrate predictability one airplane at a time, side by side with our regulator. This team is up to the challenge and will apply any and all resources to get back to deliveries that satisfy our customers and underwrite the long-term demand profile. We're still confident in the goals we laid out for 25-26, although it may take longer in that window than originally anticipated and we won't rush the system. With that, I'll turn it back to Dave for closing comments. Yeah, thanks, Brian. We're addressing you uh, from Renton, home of the uh, 737 MAX family. Um, we're living in the here and now, and we're working with all of our people, and I couldn't be more impressed with their commitment, dedication, and the comprehensive nature around which they will look at this. Uh, Boeing will get better. I am confident in that. We will address we will address everything that needs to be learned from the accident, and we'll move forward. So thanks. Happy to take your questions. Thank you. And in order that you your question be clearly heard, we ask that you not use a speakerphone, cell phone, or phone headset. Please use your handset to ask a question. If you're on a speakerphone, please be sure to mute. Use your mute function. Or, I'm sorry that your mute function is switched off so the signal can reach our equipment. And as a reminder, in the interest of time, we're asking that you limit yourself to one single part question. And our first question is from the line of Peter Armet. Please go ahead. Yeah, good morning, Dave and Brian. Uh, Hi, Peter. Dave, uh, th thanks for the initial open color on the MAC situation and the steps being taken. So I guess to, just to follow on that, Dave, I wanted to ask you about where you assess you are in kind of the recovery of the MAX program when we think about what has been a successful transition to rate 38 and some of the progress in stabilizing the supply chain uh, and, and you've commenced deliveries uh, to China. And I know we're not talking about 25, 26 targets, but directionally there's been a lot of improvements since last fall and since your investor day when you laid out this long-term outlook. Thanks. Yeah, Peter, I appreciate that. Um, uh, by the way, one stat which I uh, was just handed, which I track all the time, is the number of our 
Dash nines that have been returned into service, we're at 129, um, and that that is progressing at a very quick rate, um, based on the inspection protocols that uh, that our uh, FAA and we all agreed with. Um, I am very proud of the progress that we've made, um, and I feel great about it. Of course, with one exception, and it's too big an exception, which is the escape. Um, I also know that um, as the uh, NTSB investigation narrows and concludes, and I do believe that will happen in relatively uh, short order, all the learning that can be extracted from it and all the learning that can be extracted from all those inspections of all those airplanes flying day in and day out, that will inform us on what improvements we can make on our quality systems. First and foremost, we will run the door plug literally from the second a door is received at, at uh, Wichita through their lines, all 12 positions, through our 11 uh, positions here. Um, inspections will be added at every turn. It is on lockdown. And uh, we've had help from our FAA. We've had help from our customers, et cetera. So that's sort of step two. Um, the next one is how do you take all of that learning and apply it through all the supply chain lines? Um, and we have some medium and long-term efforts net just beginning to make sure that we, we do that. Um, my confidence comes from uh, quality systems always can get better. Um, and when you have a moment like this, you take everything. You, you literally look at everything. Um, and we're all keenly aware of everything. So we're going to run that play as hard as we can. And we're going to take the time to do it in the FAA I'm sort of glad they called out a pause because that's a good excuse to just take our time, do it right. And uh, I wish I had called that out on the first day, but maybe I would have. We've been good at taking pauses. Um, uh, I've probably taken more pauses in the last three years, and I'll apologize to all our investors now, than have been taken in the 10 years before it. But this is what we do and it's how we get better. And I also say, Peter, um, as you know, one of the nagging issues that we've been facing have been shortages uh, here and there um, uh, where we have to pause our line. Uh, buffer inventory is not quite as robust as we'd like them to be based on supply chain weaknesses. We will run our master schedule uh, in accordance with the plans that preceded this. And each and every part we receive and all the buffer inventories that we get will stabilize production here on out. Um, less traveled work in our line, um, all things good come from that. So I feel really good about it. Um, and uh, I also have confidence in our airplanes that will be certified. Um, I like the respect that the FAA and Boeing are showing one another. Um, again, I, uh, maybe too long a diatribe, but uh, there are lots of sound reasons for why I'm feeling good and in some ways uh this moment will accelerate recovery not 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 uh delay it and just initial progress on china thanks yeah uh so peter uh, as as we've talked many 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 times we we have stood by our our customers in china day in day out um they have been flying maxes now uh for the better part of a year uh they are performing extremely well um and we'd always hoped and expected they would begin to take deliveries. And I think everybody has noticed that those deliveries have started. 
Um, so we are just going to stay diligent, stay with each and every one of them, uh, and make sure uh, uh, our Chinese customers get get what they uh, what they've ordered uh, and paid for. Thanks so much, Dave. Yep. Thank you. The next question is from the line of Sheila Kayalu from Jeffries. Please go ahead. Good morning, Dave and Brian. Um, maybe if you could update us on how you're thinking about the Max 10 and the Max 7 certification timing, just given the Max 7 exemption being withdrawn, what does it mean for the 10? And how does that phase in as you think about ramping production to 50 a month and the profit profile of the Max line? if there's no max seven or 10. Uh, Sheila, thanks for that question. Um, I'm gonna just give a little bit of a, uh, a moment on why we made that decision on the time limited exemption. I'll let Brian help uh, quantify it. Um, I visited Capitol Hill um, for a lot of reasons. Um, my biggest one is to own the problem, be transparent and convey that to all of our workforce so that they know we're willing to do that and then we can all be honest, clear with each other every step of the way in this process. And I'm, so I'm glad I made the visit. I was not expecting um, when I met with uh, Senator Duckworth, uh, the conversation that we had, um, you know she's a pilot and a decorated pilot. Um, she listened to everything I had to say. We didn't have a debate about the safety of the seven um, and the seven in its certification work was moving along at a pretty steady pace. Um, she had a way different argument for me, and it was right. Uh, she said, You're, you want to introduce this new airplane, a derivative, yes, but a new airplane. And nine months from now, you'll have an engineered solution to it, to this issue. And why is that the right call? And in my view, it was a sound, principled uh, position to take. Um, I went home for the weekend. I talked to our customer, and you know who that is. Uh, unbelievably constructive, and this is the right thing to do in, for aviation. So that is really how it happened, and it was that simple. But the, you know, the passion and the argument that uh, Senator Duckworth presented to me, I, I'm so glad I heard. Anyway, that's what happened. The seven will have to move until we get that engineered fix in place, and then I'll let Brian sort of quantify the, okay, now what? And uh, on the seven, uh, the work at hand, um, we will design an engineering solution. We're applying the resources. Our view that that could be uh, within a year. Um, but on the seven, remember, while it's a very, very important customer, um, the number of deliveries you're talking about is is relatively small. As I mentioned, uh, we've got 35 of Dash 7 and Dash 10s in inventory at the end of the quarter. There's a handful of 10s. They're mostly 7s. So uh, we'll, we'll sort that out as the – as the process works in, in that airplane uh, per the FAA gets certified. On your question on, on the Dash 10, you know, I, I prefer not to get into what ifs. Um, it is a great airplane. Customers love it and there's great demand for it and it'll get certified at some point when the FAA decides. Okay, thank you. Thank you, our next question is from Miles Walton from Wolf Research, please go ahead. Thanks. Brian, you alluded to 2024 being another, uh, I think the words were steady year of free cash flow. I think in sort of follow-on descriptions, you, you gave a lot of uppers uh, to what's going to happen year on year. So is is steady um, meaning growth in free cash flow and or can you give some of the offsets to the uppers? Thanks. 
Yeah, um, thanks, Mel. So um, I did describe some of the key ones, obviously BCA volume uh, up, um, BDS less of a drag, uh, BGS steady. You know, there's a big investment in there that um, probably should have called out, um, now that you're asking, is the 777X investment. Um, that's important and that's big. And also, uh, we got a plan for, you know, making sure that we stay laser-like uh, our supply base on the master schedule. We don't want them to take their foot off uh, what they're doing. And if that means we got to hold more inventory, so be it. Um, it's important because at this moment, um, it will allow us to have any of our suppliers that might have been at the line, might have been short of the line, they get a chance to, to catch up. So all of that in the mix uh, are levers that we got to deal with as we move into the year. And in terms of what steady means, you know, um, our belief we stand here today, the bottom end will look a lot like it did last year and maybe a little bit of growth. And once we know more, we'll put more specificity around it and we'll give normal guidance when adequate and when appropriate. Okay, thank you. Thank you. Our next question is from Seth Seifman from JP Morgan. Please go ahead. Hey, uh, thanks very much and uh, good morning. Um, good morning, Seth. Thank you. Uh, Brian, you, you talked a couple of times about the shadow factories and um, you, you know the path toward toward winding them down over over the next year and change. Is, is there any way to uh, quantify you know how you think about what the cost of those shadow factories was in 2023 or what you expect it to be in 2024? Yeah. So um, thanks. Um, I would uh, the impact you're not going to see in 2024 just because we still have to move that work through the system, but as we exit, um, it will largely be behind us. And as we think about uh, our uh, expectations on BCA profitability over time, we've always talked to it getting back to normal. A lot of that productivity will be not only uh, what volume might look like, can't say a lot about that now, but also we don't have this resource with these shadow factories. So we won't quantify it specifically, but it is an important component as we think about going from what our profitability has looked like at BCA historically, where we think we can get to. And maybe I'll just add and, and refresh everybody's memory because we've talked about it a couple of times in our shadow factories. We put more hours into those airplanes than we do to produce it in the first place. So uh, anyway, that's, I, I, that's a metric I know everybody understands. Great. If I could sneak in one more to uh, um, the, the advances, um, it was a nice tailwind in, in 23. Um, you know, how, how do you think about that in, in 24? You know, um, right now, um, you know, we plan for obviously not to be quite uh, what it was uh, in 2023. Um, that's factored into my comments. Um, the good news is, is that we still have a pretty robust demand environment and our commercial teams are working hard to chase every next order. Um, so we're not counting on a big one, but we know that uh, our teams uh, can go win campaigns. Thanks very much. Thank you. The next question is from Jason Gursky from City. Please go ahead. Hey, good morning, everybody. Um, Brian, just maybe a quick clarification, or uh, maybe Dave, and then a and then a question on defense. The clarification on the rate thirty-eight a month. Um, are you guys still firing some blanks so that the number that you're actually producing is a little bit less than that? Just kind of curious what rate 38 means. And then on defense, Brian, you've historically broken things down into that 60, 25, 15 bucket. Uh, you talked a little bit about um, the 25% bucket and the 15% bucket in your re remarks. I was wondering if you can just comment on the on the 60%, um, the, the remaining part of the portfolio and how that's performing and where maybe margins are in that slug of business at this point. Thanks. 
Sure, I'll take the first one. Um, yep, we're, we've cycled to 38 per month. We said that. Um, keep in mind, it always takes time for that to uh, equate into deliveries, uh, but we're not firing blanks. Um, on uh, your question on the 60% of the portfolio on BDS, look, um, you know, they've consistently quarter and quarter out um, has still been able to deliver some uh, very good performance on some products that the customers need. Um, and, you know, the laundry list that we talked about, um, things like Apache and all that sort of stuff, um, missiles and weapons, um, things that are needed right now in this environment that we live in. And they're performing well, and they're, they're in that mid to high single-digit margin rate. And when we step back, if we think about going from uh, where uh, BDS is with margins, two things have to happen. That 25% that's wrapped around fighters and satellites that has to get better. We feel like expected to get better and look a lot like it used to. So then you've got 85% of your portfolio clicking at stable, consistent, uh, mid to high single digit rates. And we know we can get there. And then you've got this 15% of the portfolio on fixed price development programs that we expect to be less of a drag as we retire risk over time. And um, we, uh, we expect that to, to play out. Great, thanks. Thank you. Your next question is from Doug Harnan from Bernstein. Please go ahead. Uh, good morning. Thank you. Yeah. Hi, Doug. Uh, hi. I, I want to go back to uh, the Max Seven and, and the Max Ten certification. And, and and the question I have is, when you look forward, and given there is uncertainty on the timing of the of the certification of each one of those, and you look at both the mix in your customer demand, and certainly you've had you know, more demand than you can respond to given supply chain issues. Um, first, let's say that mix changes because of the timing of certification on those two variants. Are you still, do you still see your line as full because it could be moved around between dash sevens, eights, nines, tens? And then second, what kind of operational challenges, if any, do you have when you have to have some flexibility about what variant you're producing? You know, Doug, um, I'll just start by uh, saying I think it's manageable. Um, we will have this, this, if there's a delay in any way, it's, we're not going to know at the last second. We're going we're to know with a considerable time frame, in my view. And by the way, right now, um, the status on the on the seven and the ten was progressing reasonably well. I don't believe the FAA has taken anybody off the off the course, and we haven't taken anybody off the course. And so they are making real progress. Um, and I think we were almost close to the finish line had we not pulled, um, you know, the time limited exemption. So I don't. Again, I, I I'm never going to suggest a date or anything like that for the uh, FAA. But they're working diligently on it, and they they know how to separate these two these the issue we're wrestling with in our factory from the cert efforts. Um, and I believe we're going to have plenty of time, and we'll be able to manage our product mix uh, reasonably well. Um, there won't be anything dramatic by way of change. If if we, if there are some subtle changes from quarter to quarter, first or second, you'll know it pretty early, and so will we. And um, I think it's quite quite manageable. So, so is it fair to say that? the supply chain ramp is probably still the governing constraint on your on your production ramp, not things like mix here. Yes. 
Although I will say, if if, if this pause goes on for a little while, um, you know, I like I don't I don't I don't want to pause my customers, but the pause is going to be helpful for, for us in so many ways. In the sense that that supply chain, they're going to keep running according to that master schedule. Um, it's 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 good for us if some buffers get developed and some some of the more stressed suppliers get ahead of the game. Um, so there 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 is important progress that will get made despite this this uh, momentary pause. Very good, thank you. Yeah, thanks, Doug. The next question is from the line of Ron Epstein from Bank of America. Please go ahead. Hey, Ron. Yeah, good morning. Hey, good morning. How are you? Um, if I may, I got a, like a two-part question, if that's okay. Um, you know, the first one, if you guys could walk through 787 a little bit. Um, you mentioned the rate, what's going on in that line, that, that sort of thing. We get we get questions about that. And then I'll come back with the second part in a sec. Yeah, so on the 787, um, there's nothing new on the 87. Um, uh, team's doing a very nice job. We'll produce at the five per month rate, uh, like we described. Uh, we expect to steadily increase those rates over time and liquidate a lot of inventory, a lot of inventory. Um, and, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll get more dimensions around the specifics in line with normal guidance, but the program's doing just fine. And the backlog's big. Yeah, yeah, it's been doing, been doing great. And then maybe the second question, this one's maybe a, a little, a little more difficult. The, I'm still getting, trying to get my head around how we got here. Um, meaning, you know, if you go back to the beginning of the max issue, wasn't the 737 line like the most scrutinized production line in the world? So I mean, what what happened to get to where we got today? You know, I understand that, you know, revamping the quality system and all that is all great news. It's you know, positive move forward. But why did that have to happen now? And I just, I just don't understand that. Well, Ron, it's, uh, it, it should never happen. So the question about now is is that not so relevant. It should never and can never happen. Um, I am incredibly proud of the work that our people do on the 3-7 line. I think it has steadily progressed. Quality numbers have gotten better. But when, when you have an escape, and, and then when everybody concludes exactly what happened in that escape, um, that lights another fire. So you take another step forward with respect to all things quality, and you make certain that whatever it was that created that opportunity for failure in the sky or in flight can never happen again. And, and that, that has already happened. Um, uh, and then we'll learn from everything. So, um, yeah, I think I, I think I understand your underlying context for the question, but I, I, uh, I totally take exception to that premise. Okay. The next question is from the line of Kai Van Rumer from TD Cowan. Please go ahead. <clears throat> yes, thanks so much. So um, now that you've waived the exemption um, on the engine anti-icing and, and you're redesign, you're designing the new system, you said it would take about a year. Have you accelerated that at all? And could you accelerate it more? Because my assumption is that is going to be the long pole in the tent in terms of when, you can, when the FAA can certify the MAX 7 and 10. I think, I think that is an accurate statement that, that you just made. Um, given the fact that we made this decision uh, just 
a couple of days ago. Um, needless to say, we will throw more engineers at it. We're going to put more work into it, and I hope we can accelerate it. And the nine months that I, I discussed with uh, uh, Senator Duckworth was based on uh, my understanding of that project before I made this decision. So that, the answer is yes, we'll step up resources, we'll step up whatever testing is required. We will do everything we can to inform the FAA about the, that particular part of that program. Um, so, uh, that, and that's where we stand today. And you are correct. Um, that, is the, that is the poll in the tent all of us should be watching. Terrific. Thank you. And then another quick one. Um, you know, with the supply chain running at the master schedule, but you're delivering not quite as many, um, should we think about a, a fairly large build in the inventory account here in the next couple of quarters until you get beyond that? Yeah, there's, there's um, two things, Kai, that are going to um, be things we have to deal with in cash flow. Uh, one is going to be the 777X investment I discussed, as well as what you just described. Um, mm -hmm. And that's contemplated in my description of what we thought the bottom looked like. Um, and then we just got to go run the play and, um, you know, work through what's in front of us. Um, but um, more work ahead, and we'll describe it more specifically as we move through the year. Thank you. Hey, Lois, we have uh, we have time for one more question. Thank you. And that question will come from Noah Papanak from Goldman Sachs. Please go ahead. Hey, good morning, everyone. Hey, Noah. Hi, Noah. Um, might go over one if I'm last, but um, uh, <laughs> Brian, um, recognizing that y y there's some limitation here in, in how you can discuss it, but maybe just to trying to talk out max units this year with, with assumptions of not breaking to higher rates. Um, you know, you made it a point to say you're at 38. I know, I know. You know, that rate final assembly where the entire supply chain is is always a different number. But you know, if I just simply said 31 for six months and 38 for six months, that's in the low 400s, and then you unwind five to ten of inventory a month. You know, I can kind of get, you know, somewhere near 500 or just decent growth from 2023. Is that just a reasonable starting point as we? wait to learn more from the FAA? You know, no, um, I completely understand the question. Um, those are the inputs I described. But, um, you know, I, I uh, out of respect for the process that we need to go through the FAA, I just got to steer away from specificity. Um, it's just not the right time. We've got work in front of us. And I promise when appropriate, we are going to be more specific. Um, but anyway, um, that's that's it's probably going to be on the specificity of those numbers. Wait and see. It's just not appropriate. Yep. yep. Fair enough. Fair enough. Are are you are you um, willing and able to speak to just updating what what it, what the cap is these days on the monthly inventory unwind and how China plays into that? You know, I, I don't know. We think about a cap. We've got the shadow factories that have been working for you know quite a while and they know the routines and they've been pretty steadily on both uh, three, seven and the eight, seven consistently meeting month in month out uh, liquidation targets and expectations for customers. So I don't think there's any kind of cap. We're, we're just focused on, we know exactly the pile of inventory. It's 140 on the three, seven that I described. It's, it's 50 on the eight, seven that have to get the rework. And we're just going to move through um, this year 
uh, with real focus in order to be in a position where we start shutting these shadow factories down. Um, and then we're just going to run that play as hard as we can. Okay. And is China officially fully 100% taking deliveries? We, we see it in the press. We see the reading of the tail number websites. But can you just declare that that's just fully officially on at this point? One at a time. And uh, yes. Okay. And then, Brian, just one more defense. You know, the margin's still still not where you want it, but better sequentially. Any framework you can provide around how that progresses through 24? And what, what was the final defense cash burn in the 23 cash? So we can think about where, you know, what to work off of as we go into 24. Yeah, so um, the cash burn, um, we put out some numbers uh, a year ago, and we thought the operating cash flows by division, um, BDS, um, uh, the, the worst case end for them in that range, uh, they, they were much worse than that. Um, and that, it's all what we described last year, and we expect it to be better this year. And that's behind us. But, yep, they did a lot worse, obviously offset by BGS and BCA doing better. Um, but uh, it was worse. Um, and then um, the first part of your question on margins, you know, we expect margin trajectories to get better over time, particularly as we focus on this 25% of the portfolio that is very specific and there's a lot of actions or activity around it. Um, but uh, we will get better. Um, they will eventually get to the point where we're putting positives on the board. Um, what I'm most interested in is the team that's got to execute uh, over the next, between now and 2025-26, in order to get these margins back in the high single-digit range. And I will remind you that um, that's how we describe our defense margins. Um, you really got to put two points uh, on top of that, which is what we account for in our global services uh, division for the defense side. So it's really looking more like a double-digit uh, defense external view uh, that we are aiming to get towards because we think that's uh, a pretty decent business. Right. Okay. And you squeezed, you squeezed in three. We got in. Uh, we got them all in. Got the rest in. Thanks so much for the time. I appreciate it. Thanks, Noah. Thanks, everyone. Thanks, everybody. That completes the Boeing Company's fourth quarter 2023 earnings conference call. Thank you for joining. You may now disconnect.